0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 44 of the Zoomer Sports Radio. As always, I'm Andrew, and today I'm joined by a special guest here on the show. He was drafted in the 11th round of the 2016 MLB Draft. He's a BYU alum, and he's a current pitcher for your Chicago Cubs. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michael Rucker. How's it doing? How's it going? Good. How are you on this nice Tuesday afternoon? (laughs)
1: Doing good. Yeah, no, I just uh, got finished with my throwing program and uh, just barely starting it up. Uh, took a few weeks off from from throwing when the season wrapped up at the beginning of October and um, just getting back into it ready
0: for another season. That's awesome to hear. And like the first question I always like to ask any, any like professional athlete that comes on my show is, who was your biggest role model growing up as a youngster? And What made you fall in love with the game of baseball?
1: Yeah. So I actually grew up or I was born in Mississippi and I've got an older brother and an older sister. Both of them played baseball. My sister plays softball. Um, And my brother won a state championship in Mississippi. Um, He's like 13 years older than me. So it was forever ago, but, um, but just from there and, um, going to my first ever big league game at Turner Field, watching the Braves. Um, just with how good that team was, and you know, I just from an early age, I just loved baseball. And as I, you know, started little league, it just kind of found that that was kind of my thing that I that I loved to do, and I was pretty good at it. So I just I continued to do it, and I uh, wanted to get better, wanted to be a big leaguer one day, and fortunate and blessed that I can say that now.
0: Yeah, and so you went to Turner Field back was those the Maddox, Glavin, Smoltz oh, yeah. days? Andrew Jones out there in the outfield. Oh yeah, ninety five yeah, World Series champs. Yeah,
1: I, I. Yeah, that's that's when they well prior to this year that was their last one that they won, but yeah, that was a they won like fourteen uh, division titles in a row, something crazy like that. Yeah, they're really they're really fun to watch and back then, uh, Turner, TBS, like that's, they always showed Braves games like nationally. So it
0: was always yeah,
1: easy to tune in and watch them.
0: Yeah. It's just like the Cubs back when they were on WGN all across mm-hmm. America. And uh, yeah. who was your, who is your uh, favorite MLB player? Like who did you idolize growing up? Was it one of those guys so, on the Braves team? Yeah, like, so, like so a Greg pitching,
1: yeah. From the pitching side. Yeah. I love watching Greg Maddox. Just what he's able to do with baseball is awesome. And then I really loved watching uh, Chipper Jones, too. When I uh, played a position in the field, I was third baseman, and I always thought it was so cool. He could hit from both sides and just is incredibly talented and good player. So, yeah, he was really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, two, two Hall of Famers right there. So pretty, pretty impressive. And so you went to Gonzaga and BYU. What was your whole college recruiting process like out of high school?
1: so with high school I I played in Washington so um, I had a number of different offers of places as I kind of either went to showcases or camps Um, you know people kind of just figured out who Malcolm Rucker is and um, had a couple of different offers but um, I went to Gonzaga first as um, you know relatively close to home and they had a good program I mean you look at um, what Marco Gonzalez has done with the Mariners um, as a starting pitcher for them. Um, you yeah, know, we had, we had a pretty good program and it was a place that um, I thought could definitely take my baseball, like what I had and could just make it better. Um, like, unfortunately, the situation there just didn't really work out. And um, I really liked what BYU was doing. They were another school that I was interested in coming out of high school um they had a recent coaching change and uh just looked like an incredibly attractive opportunity for me to go play for them and we uh made it to like west coast conference tournament um had a good record it was it was a great time there
0: yeah it must have been fun to play against your former team is gonzaga's also in that conference
1: yeah there, there was a little bit of bad blood about me transferring in in conference for sure. But, um, but yeah, my experience at BYU, I wouldn't trade it for, for anything. It was, uh, I was happy to be drafted and, you know, go pursue pro pro ball, but I was definitely leaving something good behind at BYU.
0: Yeah. So you were in the minor leagues, you played for Myrtle beach, South Bend, Tennessee, Iowa, all the Cubs affiliates. And 2020 when COVID took over, how did the cancellation of the 2020 minor league season like affect your training regimen and your development as a ball player?
1: Yeah. So coming off of 2019, it was a complete whirlwind um, off season and with COVID everything. Um, I know there's an article on the athletic that kind of talks about it. Um, in the off season of after 2019, I was actually rule five drafted by the Orioles. I went to camp with them and, um, had a pretty good camp, but they kind of had a different idea of who they were going to go with for their starting rotation. So they sent uh, me and another pitcher by the name of Brandon Bailey, who also happened to pitch at Gonzaga, but, um, that's kind of a funny story, but, Uh, He went back to the Astros. He's with the Reds now. But um, And then I got sent back to the Cubs. And then right when I was about to get into a big league game with the Cubs, COVID shut everything down. So I went from Cubs to Orioles spring training to getting sent back to the Cubs. And yeah. And then the shutdown happened and just complete whirlwind of events. Um, And I think it, it was hard. Like I completely expected 2020 to be the year that I was going to start in triple a and then have a chance to earn a promotion to the big leagues and having it be, you know, an alt site year. That's where I spent all of the time there. um, It just kind of lost a little bit of that competitiveness, I guess, because we're not playing against fresh faces and it's against the same guys. The way that we set up our alt site, we had like 16, 17 pitchers and like six or seven position players. So we're facing like the same six guys and live ABs um, every time I took them out, facing them multiple times. So it, it became a little monotonous, but at the same time, had the opportunity to work with our coaches and staff really closely and um, work on some things. I was able to kind of start adding. A cutter, which has been a huge pitch for me um, this year as I started to use it more often. Um, and, yeah, I wasn't just kind of a little bit frustrated knowing that, okay, I've got to wait another year to really get my feet wet in AAA and then kind of earn that
0: opportunity. But- do you think – Do you think? Uh, oh, my bad. Do you think uh, that alt site, like you, your seven position players and the pitchers you're with – uh, working together for that two-month, three-month period every day will help you guys as in the big league club now in 2021-2022 as the Cubs move forward?
1: Yeah, so the way that we had it is it, we were bringing in quite a few free agent pitchers that we're, were just kind of seeing. Um, I think the Cubs are trying to see what was out there and kind of use the alternate training site as kind of a, a proving ground for some guys that were free agents that they might've wanted to give it a shot to. Um, but yeah, there was, there's a number of guys that were, that were there that, um, you know, have made contributions to the Cubs this year and that have been in the organization. And it was a good time to just be able to, I don't know. It's, it was definitely a tighter, smaller group than it was. And we were, you know, playing games and against each other as, tight-knit group um you know i think that having that more as like a develop developmental time um and not focus so much on games or the score i think we're able to each kind of work on things that we we each knew that we needed to have in order to be successful at the big leagues so it's definitely not it's just the the biggest drawback with the side is just how mundane it was just show up at the same field be um, with all of the COVID protocols and social distancing and um, just not knowing when things would go back to normal, I guess, is kind of one of the bigger things of why it was so hard.
0: Yeah, I totally understand. Fast forward to 2021, it's like July 24th, that, lead, that week leading up to the trade deadline. Kimbrell gets dealt, Tepera gets dealt, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, all... F- franchise favorites, franchise uh, fans have loved. Guys have been in the dugout for five-plus years. They all get dealt. July 30th, Washington Nationals. You're, you guys are at National Park. You get called up. What was going through your head uh, when you got that call, and how nervous were you running out to the mound for the very first time as the big leaguer wearing that historic uh, cubby blue uniform?
1: So when – Uh, There was a game against uh, well at home in Iowa and the way that we've kind of been working our pitching rotation within the bullpen is kind of, you knew that if you had thrown a couple innings that you were going to maybe get a day or two and then pitch and given who was available, I thought, you know, I'm definitely going to be one of the first guys out of the pen and as the game progressed like our our starter went like four or five and then we had some other guys come up and pitch and after the game I was kind of like scratching my head like why didn't they throw me and after the game um pitching coach comes over to my locker and says like hey can you meet in coach's office um real quick and so I go in there and there's you know four or five of us so I was like me, Fargus, Schwindel, uh, Romine, and, uh, and Manny Rodriguez were all in there all at the same time. And we knew that we were following the trade deadline and seeing who was getting dealt. Um, we knew about Chafin and we knew about Tep, but we didn't know for sure any of the other names and exactly where they were going. Um, but what they told us was, you're at least on the taxi squad. So you're going to be going to nationals park, but, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if, uh, who or if any of you guys are going to get activated or what, but, um, you know, good luck and we'll see you when we see you. <laughs> so it wasn't necessarily like, uh, Rucker called up to the big leagues. I was like, all right, you're on the taxi squad. Okay. So I was just kind of waiting and seeing what is all going on with the trade deadline. And as we come into the ballpark and um it was me and Manny arrived at the same time and then the position players arrived a little bit later um it was a little bit hectic there was just a ton going on we saw you know KB on the phone saw Mariznick on the phone you know um Kimbrell was kind of having his last supper there in the cafeteria and uh one of one of the things that he kind of joked about um when he was talking with me and Manny for a second, is he's like, Well, uh, I got traded to the White Sox, you guys got traded to the big leagues. How'd that how's that work out for you? So that's kind of a funny little story, but all in all, at uh when the dust settled from the from all the trades, um, you know, we figured out that we were getting activated and just like signed our contract and just super excited. Um And there's a bunch of people to share it with too. And I didn't really feel like, you know, with how many guys there was and Manny making his debut the same day I did, it was kind of comforting that there was just more than myself in that same predicament. Um, I think I definitely would have been more overwhelmed making my debut if it was um, just me and all the attention on me, but um, warming up for the first time. i and then like running into the game, just with the how many fans there are going from AAA, where it's five to ten thousand if it's like a really packed night, to I think it was like thirty-nine thousand. So like four times big crowd. You have like the extra deck that as you're running out to the mound, like you're not used to. And it's just like, whoa. This is this is it. This is the show. That's why they call it the show. And um, yeah, I just tried to take like a deep breath, like realize how cool and awesome it is. And then try to dial in and realize, all right, this is, this is it. I got to get out. Like, this is cool, but I got to focus on my job.
0: And mo- most importantly, you, you get called into the pitch in Washington and Washington that day. And it's not an easy assignment. One of the first guys you got to face is, perhaps maybe the NL MVP, Juan Soto.
1: Yeah. So I actually had a chance facing him um, in spring when I was with the Orioles. Um, And so that was like the year after they won the world series. And so they still had all their like world series guys. Um, I just knew to pitch around. I knew where to throw the ball. If I didn't want to give up damage, so I'd, just tried to work him away. I threw him a changeup away, and he rolled over on it, but hit it up the middle. Um, he hits a single off me. Like, okay, I can live with that. <laughs> Try to get a ground ball double we'll play or figure something else out. But yeah, I just definitely don't want him to to beat me or, you know, especially leading off an inning.
0: You've pitched against a couple Hall of Fame MVP type level guys: Christian Yelich, Joey Votto, Buster Posey, Juan Soto, to name a few, and. You've actually fare pretty well against them, and how tough are they to get out? So, like the fan knows at home, really how amazing these guys are at the plate compared to like the average major leaguer.
1: Yeah, so so what I'll say is, having stepped in the box myself, I did get one at bat against Corbin Burns of all people, <laughs> and uh, and I've it's had young some winner maybe. At, yeah, I've had some at bats at Double uh, A AA and Triple A as well. But um, it's incredibly hard. It doesn't matter who you're facing. Like hitting is incredibly hard. And just for them to have the consistency to, um, you know, three out of 10, you know, you're batting 300. That's the pinnacle of, you know, what is deemed successful in baseball in terms of an average. But like what they're doing outside of, they're putting the barrel on the ball more than just three out of 10 times. Um, you know they're putting the ball in play you know eight nine out of ten times, like with good exit velo um there just might happen to be one of the defenders in the way of that ball getting through and them getting on base so they're they're incredibly good and good at what they do, they know their strengths um and they execute their game plans, and it's our jobs as pitchers to know what they're trying to do and um create confusion, disrupt timing, change eye level. And um, the better I can do that and execute my pitches in the spots that I want to, um, you know, the more success that I'm going to have.
0: Moving over more into like pre-game and uh, pre-pitching routine, what do you do before you take them out? I know a lot of guys like to use plyo balls and bands, but what do you specifically do before uh, either a bullpen or you're going in game?
1: So as a reliever, we don't really get too much heads up on when we're going to be going into a game, Um, especially like if it's kind of like a mop-up duty kind of thing. You try to – the most important thing is just watching the game, knowing what hitters are coming up, knowing a little bit of how the manager is going to use you in a situation, and then just try to be prepared the, you know, running or doing like stretches or arm stretches or bands, like that's not going to wear you out if you don't end up getting your name called. But, um, you know, the, the more throws that you make off a mound and then not end up going in a game uh, those are what kind of build up and, you know, those throws don't count. So we try to really get ready for the moments that we know that we're, gonna go into and then just try to kind of be prepared prior to that. But what I like to do is just um stretch, like do like a couple of high knees, um do Jaeger bands, arm bands, um get a good stretch. I, I don't have honestly that thorough of a warm-up routine. It's more just kind of listening to my body and knowing what I have to get warm and and then focus in on making the pitches that I've got to make. To get the guys that I'm going to be facing
0: out. So you're doing all this, and then looking at uh, some of your stats this year. Your fastball and cutter were your two most thrown pitches at the big league level. Then you also got curveball, slider, changeup. How how did you go around with uh, finding your pitching arsenal and what pitches are the right for you and what you like to throw the most?
1: So I've always kind of been able to spin the ball and manipulate it differently. Um, you know, as I've gone through, um, you know, starting kind of in 2017, working my way, um, to now I've always tried to find a pitch that's been in between my curveball and my fastball that has the glove side break to it. Um, you know, I'd throw my curveball around 80, throw my fastball around 95, and so that's a big kind of gap between curveball and fastball that I feel like if I had another offering would be able to just throw the hitter off that much more. And that's kind of when I've toyed with a uh, cutter and slider and, um, really I've kind of found that I can use both of them and just kind of playing with that and trying to evolve that pitch into something that I can use to get hitters out. Um, you know, I, I'd i like to use my cutter usually more to lefties and my slider more to righties. That's just kind of how it plays. If you've ever seen um, Max Scherzer splits, he kind of does the same thing. He'll throw his cutter more to lefties and his slider more to righties. Um, but, yeah, I just – I think that having having those weapons is kind of what helps, helps me uh, set up the hitters the way that I want to get them out.
0: And we have one of the best catchers here in Chicago, Wilson Contreras, too. Uh, I'm actually wearing his jersey right now. Oh, there you uh, go. Nice. To, uh, uh, manage his pitching staff behind the plate, be the captain of the the whole defense. And you've had a, a couple of the guys you pitched to. I don't know if you pitched to Contreras this season because I knew he was on the IL later in the year, but Robinson Chirinos, Austin Romine, uh, PJ Higgins, maybe Triple-A. Just how talented are those guys back there? Because it is not an easy job blocking 80, 82 slider in the dirt, and then getting a hundred mile per hour fastball next pitch.
1: Yeah, no, I mean all our catchers are incredibly talented. I, I mean the the biggest thing that Contreras brings to um, our team, at least when he's behind the plate, is just his ability to control the running game, and that's that's been huge. Um. I fell victim to it when I was pitching against the Royals. That's what they love to do. They love to run around, um, but just having him behind the plate, knowing that he can snap throw um, at any point to any base um, with something on it, right where he wants it, um, it's just an incredible ability. Um, but yeah, I mean all all of our catchers, um, you know, as I've gotten to work with them and know them and as they've gotten to know me and what I like to do, um, they're just total professionals about how they go about it. Um, so we've got a good staff and yeah, it's a good group for sure.
0: Looking at this 2022 Cubs pitching staff, a lot of unanswered questions, very young. You, know, you got Kyle Hendricks as the, uh, number one. You got Cody Hewer uh, rounding out that bullpen, looking like the closer up. Uh, where, where, what role do you see yourself in with this 22, 2022 Chicago Cubs?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to – we're going to see um, a better group, I certainly think. Um, but there's a lot of us that have the the capability and the potential to, um, you know, bring something special and to pitch meaningful innings and um, lock down the game when the offense gets a lead. Um, You know, I think that when we when we all come to spring training, there's going to be several jobs for for guys to compete for. So, um, you know, that's where I find myself is competing for a job. And, you know, based on what I've done in the past and then what I hope to continue to show in the future is that I can be one of those main guys that um, Rossi and other guys can count on.
0: All right, last question here before I let you go. It's it's been a great interview. Honor to have you on this on the show. Uh, first uh, major league Chicago Cubs player. We have Cole Frank. I've had Cole Franklin on, who's in the system, uh, top ten prospect with uh, uh, our Chicago Cubs. on uh, w- what's your walk up song going to be? I'm always interested on uh, the major leaguers' uh, music tastes.
1: So right now I've got uh, Mr. Blue Sky as my walk up song.
0: Oh, some ELO. I love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, I don't know, um, well, I just, I like the, like, the kind of, like, happier, just get me in the right mood kind of things, like, um, in college, I had I Need a Dollar by Aloe Black, so just kind of, like, those kinds of, like, vibes are, like, what, not, like, what really get me going, it's not stuff that I would necessarily listen to when, um, when I'm, like, lifting or working out, but um when i'm taking them out it's just a like a fun song that i feel like the fans can get into and um another reason why i pick mr blue Sky is i love guardians of the galaxy like marvel movies and stuff and that's it's just a fun song so
0: yeah hope the fans like it as much as i do yeah I, that's a great choice i mean some some guys you get the fan favorite walk-up song like rizzo with intoxicated way back and then you get some guys, like, I loved Kimbrel's walk-up song, Sweet Child of Mine, I, I I by Guns N' Roses. I thought that fit in perfectly. And Mr. Blue Sky, phenomenal song by uh, ELO.
1: Yeah, so um, Zobrist, his walk-up song for a while was Benny and the Jets. Yeah. And uh, my dog, his name's Riggs, he's a little Jack Russell. Anytime that we play that, like on our Alexa speaker, he just howls and howls and he, he just sing to that song. Uh, he loves it. But yeah, no, walk-up songs can definitely do do a lot for the player and make it fun for the fans. So
0: Riggs is sure a big Sir Elton John fan, I see.
1: <laughs> but so something about him, yeah. I don't know. Just when he when he hits that uh falsetto when he's singing Benny, Benny. Yep. <laughs> <You> got
0: it. <laughs> Anyway, I think it's a good point to wrap up the show. Once again, I want to thank you, Michael, for uh, joining us here on the Zoomer Sports Radio. And I'll, on the YouTube, I'll link his uh, Twitter and Instagram so you can go drop him a follow there. You'll be seeing him out at 1060 West Addison this year at Wrigley Field. Once again, thank you, Mike, for coming on.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Andrew. It's nice
0: meeting you. Nice talking to you. Uh, hopefully I can uh, see you sometime at Wrigley this year. Oh, yeah, summer. for, sure.
1: for All right, sure. thank you. Absolutely. Hey, guys, it's Sylvie from Waddle and Sylvie on ESPN 1000. When I listen to sports, I go to one place and one podcast, and that's by my guy, Andrew Moody, my favorite Cubs fan, and Pat
0: Adusi. This is the Zoomer Sports Radio Podcast. Enjoy and have fun. These guys know what they're talking about.
1: That's why you had to hide away for so
0: long. Where so did we go wrong? Hey there, Mr. Blue Sky, so pleased to be with you, Sky. Look around, see what you do.